It's February 4th, and this is the One Year Bible Tour. My name is David McAdam from New Life Community Church. We are at newlife.org, N-E-W-L-I-F-E dot O-R-G. And it's good to be with you today as we read through the Bible, as we read from the Old and New Testaments in the Book of Psalms and Proverbs. We have some headlines today, an historic and fearsome worship service at Mount Sinai, a voluntary bond slave, and then Jesus and the psalmist will both confront hypocrites. So let's get started by reading from the Old Testament, the book of Exodus chapter 19, and we'll pick up where we left off with verse 16. Moses has been receiving the revelation of God's righteousness through the law. Verse 16, On the morning of the third day there were thunders and lightnings and a thick cloud on the mountain, and a very loud trumpet blast, so that all the people in the camp trembled. Then Moses brought the people out of the camp to meet God, and they took their stand at the foot of the mountain. Now Mount Sinai was wrapped in smoke, because the Lord had descended on it in fire. The smoke of it went up like the smoke of a kiln, and the whole mountain trembled greatly. And as the sound of the trumpet grew louder and louder, Moses spoke, and God answered him in thunder. The Lord came down on Mount Sinai to the top of the mountain, and the Lord called Moses to the top of the mountain, and Moses went up. And the Lord said to Moses, Go down and warn the people, lest they break through to the Lord to look, and many of them perish. Also let the priests who come near to the Lord consecrate themselves, lest the Lord break out against them. And Moses said to the Lord, The people cannot come up to Mount Sinai, for you yourself warned us, saying, Set limits around the mountain and consecrate it. And the Lord said to him, Go down and come up bringing Aaron with you, but do not let the priests and the people break through to come up to the Lord, lest he break out against them. So Moses went down to the people and told them. Chapter 20, the Ten Commandments. And God spoke all these words, saying, I am the Lord your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself a carved image, or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above, or that is in the earth beneath, or that is in the water under the earth. You shall not bow down to them, or serve them. For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children to the third and the fourth generation of those who hate me, but showing steadfast love to thousands of those who love me and keep my commandments. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter, your male servant or your female servant, or your livestock or the sojourner who is within your gates. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea and all that is in them, and rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Honor your father and your mother, that your days may be long in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. 
You shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. You shall not covet your neighbor's house. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife, or his male servant, or his female servant, or his ox, or his donkey, or anything that is your neighbor's. Now when all the people saw the thunder and the flashes of lightning, and the sound of the trumpet and the mountain smoking, the people were afraid and trembled, and they stood far off, and said to Moses, You speak to us, and we will listen, but do not let God speak to us, lest we die. Moses said to the people, Do not fear, for God has come to test you, that the fear of him may be before you, that you may not sin. The people stood far off, while Moses drew near to the thick darkness where God was. And the Lord said to Moses, Thus shall you say to the people of Israel, You have seen for yourselves that I have talked with you from heaven. You shall not make gods of silver to be with me, nor shall you make for yourselves gods of gold. An altar of earth you shall make for me, and sacrifice on it your burnt offerings and your peace offerings, your sheep and your oxen. In every place where I cause my name to be remembered, I will come to you and bless you. If you make me an altar of stone, you shall not build it of hewn stones, for if you wield your tool on it, you profane it. And you shall not go up by steps to my altar, that your nakedness be not exposed on it. Chapter 21 Laws About Slaves Now these are the rules that you shall set before them. When you buy a Hebrew slave, he shall serve you six years, and in the seventh year he shall go free, for nothing. If he comes in single, he shall go out single. If he comes in married, then his wife shall go out with him. If his master gives him a wife and she bears him sons or daughters, the wife and her children shall be her masters, and he shall go out alone. But if the slave plainly says, I love my master, my wife, and my children, I will not go out free. Then his master shall bring him to God, and he shall bring him to the door or the doorpost. And his master shall bore his ear through with an awl, and he shall be his slave forever. When a man sells his daughter as a slave, she shall not go out as the male slaves do. If she does not please her master, who has designated her for himself, then he shall let her be redeemed. He shall have no right to sell her to a foreign people, since he has broken faith with her. If he designates her for his son, he shall deal with her as with a daughter. If he takes another wife to himself, he shall not diminish her food, her clothing, or her marital rights. And if he does not do these three things for her, she shall go out for nothing, without payment of money. Whoever strikes a man so that he dies shall be put to death. But if he did not lie and wait for him, but God let him fall into his hand, then I will appoint for you a place to which he may flee. But if a man willfully attacks another to kill him by cunning, you shall take him from my altar that he may die. Whoever strikes his father or his mother shall be put to death. Whoever steals a man and sells him, and anyone found in possession of him, shall be put to death. Whoever curses his father or his mother shall be put to death. When men quarrel and one strikes the other with a stone or with his fist, and the man does not die but takes to his bed, then, if the man rises again and walks outdoors with his staff, he who struck him shall be clear, 
only he shall pay for the loss of his time, and shall have him thoroughly healed. When a man strikes his slave, male or female, with a rod, and the slave dies under his hand, he shall be avenged. But if the slave survives a day or two, he is not to be avenged, for the slave is his money. In Exodus chapter 19, we see that God has brought the people of Israel to Mount Sinai, also called Mount Horeb, or the mountain of God, in Exodus chapter 3, verse 1, chapter 4, verse 27, chapter 18, verse 5, and chapter 24, verse 13. This event is a fulfillment of the promise that God originally made to Moses when he revealed himself at the burning bush, in Exodus 3, verse 12. This shall be a sign to you that it is I who have sent you when you have brought the people out of Egypt. You shall worship God at this mountain. The God who created the heavens and the earth in Genesis 1 and 2 made himself known to Abraham in Genesis chapter 12, to Isaac in Genesis chapter 26, and Jacob in Genesis chapter 28. He promised them a redeemer, the promised seed, and an inheritance, the promised land. He also humbled himself and chose to enter into a legal agreement called a covenant with the patriarchs and their descendants. The terms of this covenant relationship between God and his people are progressively defined as God speaks to Abraham, Jacob, and Isaac. Now God has made himself known to Moses. He is going to further define the quality of relationship that he wants to have with this new nation. He is preparing the people of Israel to receive 613 commandments known as the law. These laws would spell out in writing their moral, social, and ceremonial responsibilities before God. Israel would be put in a new position of accountability to Him. The law is a revelation of God's righteousness and outlines the requirements for holiness. In Romans chapter 3, verse 19, Now we know whatever the law says, it speaks to those who are under the law, so that every mouth may be closed, and all the world may become accountable to God. Because by the works of the law no flesh will be justified in his sight. For through the law comes the knowledge of sin. Notice that God did not say, Keep these laws and then I will deliver you out of your bondage. He introduces the law by saying, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. He brings his people out of Egypt and then brings them under his government that calls them to a holy life. The Israelites were chosen to be God's treasured possession among the nations of the earth. The one true God was making himself known to them, and they, in turn, had the responsibility to make God known to the nations around them. The law was reminding the people of their original God-given purpose, to reflect God's righteous character in all of life. God was saying through the law, Be holy as I am holy. God would use this law to demonstrate that both the promised redemption and inheritance could only be granted if the conditions of God's righteousness were fully satisfied. The good news is that God, the lawgiver in Exodus 19, has promised to be the lawkeeper, both on the cross and in the hearts of believers. Jesus fulfills the law's demands for a righteous life in Matthew's Gospel, chapter 5, verse 17, and the law's demand for the righteous punishment for sin through his death on the cross as our atoning sacrifice. God has a purpose for the law. It is holy, righteous, good, and spiritual, 
In Romans chapter 7, verse 12 and 14, it brings to us the knowledge of sin. The law was not given to show us how good we are, but how good we're not. The law shows us holiness, but cannot make us holy, because it does not impart a holy life. The law's purpose is to point us to the gospel. John Berridge wrote in the 18th century, To run and work the law commands, but gives me neither feet or hands. Better news the gospel brings, it bids me fly and gives me wings. A thermometer is an instrument of diagnosis. It shows us if we have a fever, but we do not cure a fever by eating the thermometer. A mirror is an instrument to show us where we need grooming, but we do not wash our face or comb our hair with a mirror. As we examine our lives by the law, we recognize that we have sinned and fall short of God's glory. In Romans chapter 3, verse 23, we don't cure the problem of our sin by looking to the law. We look to Jesus. The law was a guardian, a teacher, put in charge to bring us to Christ. In Galatians chapter 2, verses 24 to 25, the law brings us to understand that we need a Savior. We need God's grace. We deserve God's wrath, but He shows us His favor. In Exodus chapter 20, we are introduced to the Ten Commandments known as the Decalogue given to Israel. Number one, worship no other gods, no false gods, and that includes you. Number two, no created things or idols are to have any power over you. No false worship of things. Number three, don't misuse God's name. Number four, keep the Sabbath holy. This was a sign of God's covenant with Israel. Number five, honor your parents. Number six, don't murder. Number seven, be faithful to your spouse. Do not commit adultery. Number eight, don't steal. Number nine, don't lie. Number ten, don't covet what belongs to others. We can see how these laws highlight the original relationship that mankind was to have with God. We were made in His image to reflect His moral character. We are created to have fellowship with God and tell the truth about Him. Do not steal, says the law. Why? Because God is not a thief. We were created to tell the truth about God, and every time you steal, you tell a lie about Him instead. Do not commit adultery. Why? Because God is faithful and pure, and to commit adultery is to tell a lie about God. Soon we will see that the law will only be perfectly kept when God, the lawgiver, becomes a man, the law keeper. He brings the truth about God's righteousness to light in a way that the written law could not. The Apostle John explains, For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth were realized through Jesus Christ. No one has seen God at any time. The only begotten God, that is Jesus, who is in the bosom of the Father, He has explained Him. In John's Gospel, chapter 1, verses 17 to 18. The Apostle Paul explains that Christ does what the law in itself could not. For what the law could not do, weak as it was through the flesh, God did, sending His own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh, and as an offering for sin. He condemned sin in the flesh, so that the requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. In Romans chapter 8, verses 3 to 4. Now regarding altars, in Exodus chapter 20, verse 22 to 26, there shall be no steps leading up to the altar. Chapter 20, verse 26. Illustrating that in the gospel, God takes all of the steps to meet us where we are. To climb any steps on our part would only reveal our nakedness.
we cannot add to the perfection and simplicity of God's design for His altar at the cross. No human instrument can improve it. Salvation is of the Lord and not of human construction. And then we read about the abolition of slavery among God's people, replaced with covenanted labor. G. Campbell Morgan writes, quote, Among the first of the judgments following the enunciation of the ten words of the law were those which regulated slavery. A careful consideration of them will show that they abolished slavery and substituted for it covenanted labor. A man might buy a servant, but only for a period of six years' service. In the seventh year he must go out free. No man was allowed to hold men or women as his property in perpetuity. End quote. And that's from page 28 of Searchlights from the Word by G. Campbell Morgan. Slavery had been in existence throughout history. The children of Israel had been slaves in Egypt. God was showing them that mankind was to be free, holy, true, and responsible to God. Through the law, he was putting mankind back on the path to freedom. As Jesus would say, You shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. In John chapter 8, verse 32. We read in chapter 21 about the voluntary bond slave. There was an exception in which a man could voluntarily choose to remain a servant of his master for a lifetime. In Exodus 21, verses 5 to 6. It could not be done by the compulsion of the master. It could only be done by the deliberate choice of the servant. It is a choice made by love to serve. Many see in Exodus 21, verses 1 to 6, a foreshadowing of the person and work of Christ, who claimed to be the servant described in Isaiah chapter 42, verse 1, chapter 52, verse 13, chapter 53, verse 11, and Zechariah chapter 3, verse 8. Jesus willingly emptied himself, taking the form of a bondservant. In Philippians chapter 2, verses 5 through 7, he fulfilled the requirements of his master, his father. In his transfiguration, we see Jesus glorified as the only one who perfectly pleased the Father and fulfilled the righteous requirements of the law. But Jesus did not come to earth merely to show us what righteousness looks like with skin on. He came to do what the law could not do, redeem us, restore us, adopt us, transform us. He came to be born in us. He chooses not to abide alone in His righteousness. Instead, He proceeds to be obedient unto death, the death of the cross. Truly, truly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. In John chapter 12, verse 24, Jesus, out of love for his master, chooses the role of a bondservant and allows himself to be pierced, that he might serve his master and be with his bride, the church, forever. Now let's read our portion from the New Testament in Matthew's Gospel, chapter 23. We are beginning with verse 13 and we'll read through to verse 39. But woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! For you shut the kingdom of heaven in people's faces. For you neither enter yourselves nor allow those who would enter to go in. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! For you travel across the sea and land to make a single proselyte, and when he becomes a proselyte, you make him twice as much a child of hell as yourselves. Woe to you, blind guides, who say, If anyone swears by the temple, it is nothing, but if anyone swears by the gold of the temple, 
he is bound by his oath. You blind fools! For which is greater, the gold or the temple that has made the gold sacred? And you say, if anyone swears by the altar, it is nothing. But if anyone swears by the gift that is on the altar, he is bound by his oath. You blind men! For which is greater, the gift or the altar that makes the gift sacred? So whosoever swears by the altar swears by it and by everything on it. And whoever swears by the temple swears by it and by him who dwells in it. And whoever swears by heaven swears by the throne of God and by him who sits upon it. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! For you tithe mint and dill and cumin and have neglected the weightier matters of the law, justice and mercy and faithfulness. These you ought to have done without neglecting the others. You blind guides, straining out a gnat and swallowing a camel. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! For you clean the outside of the cup and the plate, but inside they are full of greed and self-indulgence. You blind Pharisee, first clean the inside of the cup and the plate, that the outside also may be clean. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! For you are like whitewashed tombs, which outwardly appear beautiful, but within are full of dead people's bones and all uncleanness. So you also outwardly appear righteous to others, but within you are full of hypocrisy and lawlessness. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! For you build the tombs of the prophets and decorate the monuments of the righteous, saying, If we had lived in the days of our fathers, we would not have taken part with them in the shedding of the blood of the prophets. Thus you witness against yourselves that you are sons of those who murdered the prophets. Fill up, then, the measure of your fathers. You serpents, you brood of vipers, how are you to escape being sentenced to hell? Therefore I send you prophets and wise men and scribes, some of whom you will kill and crucify, and some of you will flog in your synagogues and persecute from town to town, so that on you may come all the righteous blood shed on earth, from the blood of righteous Abel, to the blood of Zechariah, the son of Barakiah, whom you murdered between the sanctuary and the altar. Truly I say to you, all these things will come upon this generation. O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the city that kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to it, how often I would have gathered your children together as a hen gathers her brood under her wings, and you were not willing. See, your house is left to you desolate. For I say to you, you will not see me again until you say, Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. In Matthew 23, Jesus has some scathing criticism for the scribes and Pharisees here. This shatters the picture of tender Jesus, meek and mild. This incident challenges the sentimental image that people have of the Sunday school Jesus, the nicer-than-God Jesus. The same Jesus who tells us that idle words will be brought up at the judgment lets his indictments fly at the religious leaders, calling them hypocrites, blind guides, children of hell, whitewashed tombs, beautiful in outward appearance but unclean within. Jesus also predicts that these leaders will continue the legacy of their ancestors by torturing and killing God's messengers, specifically referring to death by crucifixion. 
When Jesus speaks of the blood guiltiness of all from Abel to Zechariah coming upon the Pharisees and scribes, he is saying that they who claim to be defending God's messengers are actually guilty of destroying them. Abel was the first one killed for his faith in the Old Testament scrolls, in Genesis chapter 4, verses 8 to 11. The last scroll in the Hebrew Bible, Second Chronicles, would conclude with the leaders in Jerusalem killing Zechariah, the son of Jehoiada, the priest, as the Spirit of God was upon him to proclaim God's message, in Second Chronicles chapter 24, verses 20 to 22. And now, today's reading from the book of Psalms, Psalm 28, verses 1 through 9. The Lord is my strength and my shield, a psalm of David. To you, O Lord, I call, my rock, be not deaf to me, lest, if you be silent to me, I become like those who go down to the pit. Hear the voice of my pleas for mercy, when I cry to you for help, when I lift up my hands towards your most holy sanctuary. Do not drag me off with the wicked, with the workers of evil, who speak peace with their neighbors while evil is in their hearts. Give to them according to their work and according to the evil of their deeds. Give to them according to the work of their hands. Render them their due reward. Because they do not regard the works of the Lord or the works of His hands, He will tear them down and build them up no more. Blessed be the Lord, for He has heard the voice of my pleas for mercy. The Lord is my strength and my shield. In Him my heart trusts, and I am helped. My heart exults, and with my song I give thanks to Him. The Lord is the strength of His people. He is the saving refuge of His anointed. O save your people and bless your heritage. Be their shepherd and carry them forever. This psalm, Psalm 28, is attributed to David. He's struggling with what appears to be unanswered prayer in the face of those who pretended to be a friend yet sought his downfall. David is surrounded by hypocrites. We can see a parallel with the passage we just read in Matthew 23 when Jesus is surrounded by the Pharisees. In this psalm, we have a cry for mercy in verses 1 and 2, a cry for deliverance in verse 3, a cry for justice in verses 4 and 5, and a song of praise in verses 6 to 8, with a climactic petition in verse 9. We read in verse 9, Save your people and bless your inheritance. Be their shepherd also and carry them forever. In verse 5, Because they do not regard the works of the Lord nor the deeds of His hands, He will tear them down and not build them up. The psalmist reminds us that delays are not denials. Prayers like these will be answered in God's time. Why? Because the Lord is a saving defense to His anointed. In verse 8. And we conclude our readings today with the book of Proverbs, chapter 7, verses 1 through 5. Make insight a beloved member of your family. My son, keep my words and treasure up my commandments with you. Keep my commandments and live. Keep my teaching as the apple of your eye. Bind them on your fingers. Write them on the tablet of your heart. Say to wisdom, you are my sister, and call insight your intimate friend to keep you from the forbidden woman, from the adulteress with her smooth words. The writer of Proverbs personifies deception as an adulteress out to deceive and seduce. As we read through the Bible, we gain a greater understanding of God's redemptive work in the world today. 
The writer of Proverbs reminds us to take God's commands to heart. Make the insight that God's Word gives you your intimate friend. You will need its help to ward off deception. Let's go to the Lord together in prayer. Lord, we want to thank you for the revelation of your righteousness that we receive through your Holy Word. Thank you for your commandments and that you, the Holy Lawgiver, gave us Jesus to be the law keeper in our hearts as we walk not after the flesh but after the Spirit. Thank you for giving us new life, your life. We are embracing your wisdom as a dear, intimate companion. Be glorified in us today. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for joining in our Bible reading today. And if you would like to have a written copy of our meditations, you can get them at our website, newlife.org, or subscribe to our daily email devotional guide. Once again, our web address is newlife, N-E-W-L-I-F-E dot org, O-R-G. God bless you.